At the same time, three and a half miles away on Shoe Lane, Emmeline Pankhurst, leader of the Women's Social and Political Union, the Suffragettes, walked into an ironmonger's. She was familiar with the smell of creosote, the various sizes of nails and washers that sat in the glass cabinets behind the counter. Carefully minding her skirts against hooks and joints of wood protruding from the shelves, she sallied up the small aisle in the centre of the shop and idly fingered a row of small rubber mallets. Through a bead curtain a man appeared. He was in his fifties, ruddy in the face with a neat white beard like Father Christmas. May I help? Mrs. Pankhurst looked up artfully, as if stirred from a deep thought. Oh, yes, I'm looking for twenty-five hammers. The man didn't bat an eyelid. Schoolteacher, he was thinking by the look of her. The fine stern nose and Worcester porcelain eyes. And that dress, a thick brown wool creation pinned right up proper despite the sunshine. Schoolmarm of a boys' school, and a well-spoken one at that. Well, it depends uh, what you're after. If it's for woodwork, the basic craft one will do. Under normal circumstances, you'd pay a shilling each, but if you want twenty-five, I'll do the lot for twenty shillings. Mrs. Pankhurst mulled it over. That does sound rather fair. The man began to fumble under the counter, and at length emerged with a very sleek-looking hammer, painted green at the handle, its bulb in burnished steel. Oh, that looks lovely. She took it into her hands. It has to be able to smash glass, you see, efficiently. The man gave her a brisk nod. Us, you one. Lovely. Trouble is, he scratched his head, I think I only have eighteen of them in the back. Could get them by next week. Well, you see, it's rather urgent. We do need them tonight. She hesitated. I mean, tomorrow morning. First thing. The man shook his head. Afraid it's all I can do. They're... Shilling and six, but if you take all eighteen, I'll do them a shilling each. Mrs. Pankhurst ceased fingering the painted green stem and looked up brightly. Well, I think that sounds splendid. Some of them will just have to share. Indeed they will, madam, said the shopkeeper, as she delved into her purse. Indeed they will. Further north, Mrs. Deacon of 72 Popham Drive had also just walked into an ironmonger's on Cricklewood High Street. The owner, a stout, shabby man with tufty whiskers, was taken aback to see a woman so delicately dressed in dark green velvet approach his grubby counter. He thought to himself, Her maid must be sick. She must be running an errand for the household. What she said next surprised him. Excuse me, I'm looking to purchase a number of hammers, twenty-five to be exact. The shop owner gave her a startled look. Then he realised... School, ma'am, he thought to himself, a boy's school, no doubt, and it all made perfect sense. By the time Frankie returned to 125 New Bond Street, Mr. Smythe had turned the gas lights in the window off and was on his knees, picking up wooden hangers and stacking his corsets back onto the racks. Behind him, a girl in a brown linen dress and pinny with glossy black hair stood brushing down the garments and straightening the laces as he passed them to her. Frankie gently pushed open the door. The bell knocked a soft sing-song, but the two figures didn't look across. In the air still hung the faint lingering smell of poudre d'amour that Ebony had left in her wake. Frankie muttered her, Excuse me, 
and crept past them, trying to eavesdrop on their quiet conversation. Noises from the upper floor, where she assumed the workshop must be, churned through the ceiling, so she only picked up on a few hushed words. Lace and feather piping, on a costume the girl had been making for Ebony, and her lament that Miss Diamond had not stayed to try it on. As she made her way discreetly to the rear of the shop where the camera case lay, Frankie heard Smythe mutter, I'll try it myself, and if it doesn't fit when she comes to pick it up, it'll be her own fault. Startled by the suggestion, she snuck a glance again at Smythe's waist.